With sports car racing news and analysis from around the globe, this is the Double Stint Podcast. Here's John DeGeese and Ryan Marie. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Double Stint, Sports Car 365 Sports Car Racing Podcast in Indianapolis. I'm Ryan Marine. We've got John DeGuise in Chicago a little bit later than usual as far as a release date, but we had some big news out of IMSA today, John, so it seemed reasonable to hold off until they came out with their updated schedule. The calendar has seen some shifting. No surprise there. Let's just start with the the basic details of what we're Uh, revealed today earlier on Tuesday as we're recording this with a few of the rounds of the championship that, uh, well, one that we knew was going to be uh, compromised with Mid-Ohio and then a couple of others shifted around on the schedule as well. Yeah, so IMSA confirmed on Tuesday afternoon that three of their planned events have new dates. Like you said, Mid-Ohio, which was originally scheduled for the first weekend of May, had been postponed. We now have a confirmed date, as good as we know it to be confirmed, uh, for September 25th to 27th. Then we have the the race at WeatherTech Raceway Laguna Seca that has been moved up by one week um, to September 4th and 6th. And then we have Motul Petit Lama has been moved back by one week to October 14th to 17th. Um, bottom line is that these changes have been made to sort of strategically place these races in better time slots, dates that make it easier to avoid clashes, et cetera. Um, IMSA president John Doonan just addressed um, all of the WeatherTech Championship stakeholders in a teleconference this afternoon explaining that. Um, Gave some more information that was very useful to the competitors, I'm sure. Um, Bottom line with Laguna Seca, that gets moved up by a week to avoid uh, to make it easier for IMSA teams taking part in the 24 Hours of Le Mans, which is now the third week of September, um, the original date for Laguna would have made would have had it that weekend directly before Le Mans, which would have been obviously very challenging for teams um, trying to compete. Uh, but on the flip side, the Mid Ohio race, which is now September 25th to 27th, is the weekend after Le Mans, which, quite frankly, is maybe just as difficult in terms of trying to get equipment back to stateside to compete in the in that race um, we don't have news on whether mid-ohio perhaps could potentially be without gtlm cars i i don't know just pure speculation imsa is not has not really revealed any further details on exact schedules in terms of what car classes will be made up of you know which categories will be competing in all of these races we presume it's pretty much what it was before but um there's still questions, for instance, over what happens to Detroit. Um, we don't have any news on that, um, but uh, John Doonan affirmed that they're, they've left some further gaps in the schedule towards the end of the year for potential replacement rounds there. So um, that's what we got this, um, this afternoon, and for sure, um, check out SportsCard 365 for the, the latest um, calendar um, as of today, as of March 24th, because things do seem to change pretty quickly right now in the in this uh, world. Right. So as it stands at the moment, Detroit would be the next race on the calendar. That one is uh, in a lot of respects in IndyCar's hands because IndyCar is uh, really the headliner event there. Plus the event is organized by Roger Penske's group, which of course now owns the NTT IndyCar series. So um, I'm not sure IMSA has a whole lot of say in, in what happens there, but as it stands, like you said, that is uh, still on the schedule and is slated to be the next round of the championship 
when we get back underway pending any potential changes down the road. I know speaking of changes, when Long Beach was ultimately called off, John Doonan and others from IMSA had spoken about the desire to have a replacement round on the calendar somewhere, as well as the potential for double headers to make up for missed rounds of the championship. And we got some clarity on both of those topics. Yeah, during the teleconference today, um, John confirmed that there will not be any double header rounds. Um, it was something they were seriously investigating. They had sought feedback from competitors, from uh, stakeholders, from suppliers, but it just puts too much of a strain on a lot of different things, um, including including just, I think, the typical weekend schedule noted in the teleconference that it has a, an issue on the supply chain um, in that a lot of the suppliers for parts right now are shut down due to um, government restrictions both in the U.S. and abroad. Um, and having an additional race on a weekend, teams that are, teams and manufacturers are need to get, need to bring extra components for their cars or a spare chassis or whatever you'd want to ensure that you know you have everything prepared as much as possible to undertake such a, a, an event. So um, IMSA decided that as of now, it'll be an 11-round season, and there's no replacement for Long Beach. So what do you make of the calendar that we're working with? It strikes me as maybe the best that could be hoped for given the circumstances. Yeah, I think it's good. Um, in, in all odds, I think we're going to be most likely seeing the resumption of racing at Watkins Glen. I, I know IMSA is very careful on what they're saying about Detroit right now, because like you said, it's an IndyCar event in de facto IndyCar owned now. Uh, so, and there's some... And, and the state of Michigan has some ongoing, uh, you know, as every state, I think, in the U.S. has ongoing issues with coronavirus. And there are certain jurisdictions and certain regulations in place, I think, for sporting events. And, and we'll see what happens. I, I know uh, Michigan just went into a, uh, a, a, quote, lockdown like many other states around the country. So we don't know how long that will last. And if that continues, then there there's no way there's a race could happen in the end of May. But um, that's a whole other topic for another day. We'll wait and see what happens there. But I think I, from getting, from having been able to sit in the, in the teleconference and listening to what um, John said, and 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 even um, some others that that chimed in, I, I think I get the sense that IMSA is really thinking of this as a let's get going again in June, late June, and and see where things go. Um, we have the sail in six hours at a Glen, then then the then Mossport directly afterwards. Um, Lime Rock Park, Road America, VIR, then the rescheduled um, Laguna Seca race that they got bumped up by a week, then Mid-Ohio, which is directly after Le Mans. And crucially, that also falls on the same weekend as a Nürburgring 24. So uh, that's a bit questionable. I don't know the reasoning they put that race on that weekend. I haven't had the chance to ask IMSA about that. But I think in this day and age, we can't really be too picky on the you know, certain dates because there's going to be a limited number of available weekends to run these races. And I am sure this is nothing intentional. Um, it's going to make travel from Lamar to mid Ohio difficult, no doubt. And also a lot of many, a lot of GT manufacturers are going to have to make some difficult decisions on where they place their drivers that weekend, especially with Nürburgring 24 being such a, a massive event for um, the German manufacturers. But uh, again, things can still change. Uh, Nürburgring could move. Uh, Mid-Ohio could move. We don't know what, what the world will be like in September. So I know there's been a bit of 
concern out on Twitter and social media already about this. Um, I'd say let's just sit tight and wait and see what happens in the next couple months. Um, things can always still change. And um, and then moving to the rest of the year, we have Moto Petit Lama on October 14th to 17th. That's been moved back by one week. And, and Dunan indicated that that was also made to help alleviate other clashes with other motorsports events, which I found interesting because we haven't heard of anything that weekend just yet in terms of sports car racing for what it was the week before. Um, it's, I think from an ACO rules perspective, it's still too close for a WEC or ELMS or any kind of that event happening. It could be maybe a case of IndyCar having already rescheduled something to that weekend and them trying to avoid it because, um, Petit Le Mans is always a big event that brings out a lot of IndyCar stars, uh, to their, to, to a lot of teams driver lineups. And then finally, uh, mobile one, 12 hours of Sebring, as we talked about in the last couple shows is scheduled for November 11th to 14th. Um, the original weekend that was, uh, the Michelin, uh, sports car encore that has been canceled this year as confirmed by Dunan, um, this afternoon. Well, that's the latest on the IMSA side of things. We already have a couple of stories up at sportscar365.com about these announcements that came out on Tuesday, so check those out if you'd like more details there. And, of course, those aren't the only changes that we've seen since we had our last podcast. This is a world in flux in so many respects. Uh, and uh, the SRO sort of had its hands tied a little bit with uh, the, the British government basically um, putting restrictions in place that ultimately means no racing in the U.K. until June 30th, and that affected a couple of SRO Europe rounds. Yeah, so the season opener, which was going to be at Brands Hatch after the Monza round was canceled and rescheduled for Imola and then swapped around to a sprint round. Anyway, the, that Brands Hatch race has been uh, canceled along with the race, the Endurance Cup race at uh, Silverstone due to some UK restrictions. I think this actually came down um, by Motorsport UK, which is the the de facto organizers of British motorsport um, in, 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 the, in Great Britain, but it also came on the heels of um, Prime Minister Boris Johnson announcing the UK was in an effective lockdown for a minimum of three weeks. So that sort of puts that nation in similar situations to how many um, other countries in Europe are right now and many states in the US are, and I believe Australia is actually is about to do that as well. So um, I guess this comes as no surprise we know that SRO Europe, SRO Motorsports Group, has contingency plans in place for additional rounds. Um, they said that should be communicated later this week. Um, so hopefully we get some news there on where the replacement rounds will be and what what schedule, when it will happen, etc. Um, I think I've said this before. I think SRO has been very proactive in terms of having a plan B, a plan C for these situations. So I'm sure this came as no surprise to them. And it should be mentioned, too, that that extends to the SRO America side of things because they came out with a statement basically assuring their stakeholders that they plan to run every round of the championship in some form or fashion, even if it means running extra races on a given weekend when we get back to racing later in the summer. Yeah, exactly. And that could mean triple or quadruple header <laughs> races, yep. I guess. Because all the races on SRO America weekends are traditionally doubleheaders to begin with. Um, we've already lost some Pirelli GT4 Sprint and Sprint X races, as well as TC America. I'm um, due to St. Petersburg and Long Beach being canceled. But 
Um, the next SRO America event, I believe, is Lime Rock, which was just GT4 and TC, and then followed by CTMP, I think, the week after. Correct. Um, I don't know the status of those events. As of now, I think they're still on the calendar, but we'll have to wait and see what happens there. Um, but the next GT World Challenge, powered by AWS America event, was to be CT- is to be CTMP. So um, if things clean up quickly and, and, and everybody's under control, we might not actually have a canceled GT World Challenge round in America, which would be quite remarkable. But I, I think SRO America is sort of planning for all scenarios as well. So we have to sort of stay tuned for, for that as well. Yeah, my understanding is they do have contingency plans if racing is not uh, feasible in the month of May. So I, I think they're they're kind of planning on that, but hopeful, as we all are, that perhaps those contingencies won't be necessary and things take a, a turn for the positive. Um, so fingers crossed on that front. Moving away from race cancellations, we do have other things to talk about. The It does have something to do with cancellations, this next topic. We were expecting... The next announcement on prototype convergence to come at Super Sebring, obviously that did not happen. We were told after the the postponement of of the Sebring IMSA race and cancellation of WEC uh, at Sebring was announced that there would be a delay in the announcement on the subject of convergence, but it was left a little bit open-ended on when that information would be conveyed. And John, there have been some more meetings between the various stakeholders, how close are we to having an announcement, especially on the heels of some comments from Hugh Deshonak of Orica, basically saying, look, we need to know if we're going to have things ready to go in time to, to kick off the, the new set of regulations. Yeah, Ryan, I, I think Hugh's comments sort of resonated throughout the motorsports world, the sports car racing community globally, and that, you know, while our thoughts right now are with the coronavirus victims and trying to put all this under control. At the same time, I, I think companies and manufacturers do need to get an idea of what's going to happen in the future with the regulations. And well, they were supposed to be announced last week, and, and um, IMSA President John Doonan indicated that they would likely be delayed by a little bit um, just because of logistics issues and everything that's going on. We do know there was a meeting last Wednesday um, between the constructors and IMSA and the ACO, and by all marks, I had heard it went very positively. Um, there should be an additional meeting this week, I understand, to firm up the the powertrain um, specifications, and then we could potentially get an announcement. But um, speaking during the IMSA teleconference today with competitors, um, VP of competition Simon Hodgson said they still don't have regulations, but they're working very hard and they're working in a, a good direction. The work's been ongoing. Um, they've had a lot of feedback from constructors and they've uh, they're working on the next steps you know, with the manufacturers, and that's the next update. Um, he didn't give a timeline. He didn't give any specific, you know, period and when we could get an announcement. Um, Hugh said basically something needs to happen in the next seven to ten days, or he's seriously questioning whether this will actually go off as planned. Um, I may I may not necessarily agree 100% on that timing. I think maybe we still have a few weeks, maybe a month, to sort of get this together, but... Um, at the same time, the clock is ticking if these regs are supposed to debut in the middle of 2021. Um, mind you, the whole calendar shuffle with WEC and Lamar now being moved to September might change things a little bit in terms of when ne- the next WEC season starts. We know that for sure because 
the 2020-2021 WEC season was slated to begin in the early September. Um, that's surely going to change. Perhaps maybe that gets moved to 2021 calendar year kickoff. We, I, we don't know. We're still waiting to hear from the ACO and FIA. They've been relatively quiet in terms of calendar rescheduling and uh, quite honestly haven't been extremely transparent with teams and competitors about what's going on outside of the 24 hours of Lamar. So um, hopefully we can get some updates there soon. But uh, whether these regs will happen, whether convergence will happen, I still think it will. I just think everybody's a little bit on the edge right now, um, waiting to see when we'll get confirmation. A couple other topics to get to here on our show this week. Uh, one actually coming on the heels of a question that came in to us on a previous show asking about the FAF Motorsports team replacing their chassis. It was a good pickup uh, by one of our listeners on social media. We weren't quite sure what the rationale for that change might be. And interestingly, Steve Bordelotti, who is the team uh, manager there at FAF, was a guest listening to the podcast and got in touch and was able to shed some light on the situation. Yeah, so Steve reported to us that um, the car sustained some chassis damage um, that was deemed unrepairable by Porsche's collision repair standards, and that was only no, that was only found after the race. So the car actually finished the Rolex 24 at Daytona. They, they finished 13th in class after quite a lengthy delay due, an, due to an axle failure, um, but nonetheless, um, some damage was found post-race that was caused by the axle failure to the chassis, and that's why they've they've replaced the car. Um, Steve assured me that they had the car all ready to go for Sebring, but obviously Sebring didn't happen. But um, yeah, thanks to whoever asked the question a couple of weeks ago. Um, I'm glad we actually got an answer and got a pretty detailed uh, response out of Steve. So we really appreciate that. Yeah, that was Eddie C. who wrote in. So thank you very much, Eddie. And thanks to Steve as well for passing along that uh, information. Let's see. While we didn't have any, and we won't have any, real racing to talk about for the foreseeable future, a lot of sports car racing drivers have been pretty busy here, John, in the last uh, couple of weeks with e-racing taking hold. We've seen uh, NASCAR doing some stuff with this, Formula One doing some e-racing initiatives, IndyCar as well, and IMSA heavily involved last weekend with a race at Sebring on iRacing that was uh, broadcasted with the, the folks from IMSA Radio involved in that, which was pretty cool to see. And the, it looks like SRO has got something planned for later on this week as well. So uh, it's quite interesting, I think, to see how the e-racing uh, has kind of stepped up to fill the void for racing fans and racing drivers who need to scratch that itch. Yeah, I think it was a bit inevitable because you look at the amount of, of drivers that actually do sim racing already for training purposes to learn tracks. A lot of drivers have their own rigs already. And it sort of seemed like a natural transition that all of a sudden, Hey, there's no racing. Let's go race in the virtual world. But what surprised me was how quickly some of these sanctioning bodies acted in terms of getting everybody involved and getting general fans interested in these, in this type of competition. And, um, IMSA had their Super Saturday event this past weekend. It was won by BMW in a 1-2-3 finish for the M8 GTEs, led by uh, Bruno Spengler. And um, it was a really entertaining race, a 90-minute race with, with commentary from John Hindoff. And, um, yeah, it, it was – honestly, it, it seemed very similar to the real thing. The only thing I was missing was the 
IMSA's live timing and scoring system that you can <laughs> properly follow a race yeah. with, you know, with, with pit stop times and, and splits and, and all that. I was really missing the, the Driggers uh, uh, system that, that a lot of us journalists follow um, when we're trackside or even following the races from home. But um, nonetheless, it, was, it seemed to be a great success. I spoke to John Doonan about it afterwards. He said it surpassed all of their expectations and they're actively working on having some potential um, additional events uh, esports uh, races for the the professional drivers, as well as launching an esports league for fans, and that's ultimately one of IMSA's goals. Um, this came well before coronavirus. Um, John told me a story where he, one of his first times in the office at IMSA, I think back in October, was actually a meeting with the the marketing and communications team and seeing where they were on esports and. It seems like John's a huge pro- proponent of this, and I, I think that we'll be getting something like this um, hopefully uh, soon for fans and enthusiasts to, to enjoy and, and, and to really promote IMSA as a brand and, and all of the, the manufacturers behind that in, in that sim. Um, you know, we've seen the, probably like the overnight sensation of what NASCAR has produced with iRacing um, after they had a live telecast of uh, a race at home at the virtual Homestead Miami Speedway on FS1. Um, uh, from what I heard, it was similar TV ratings to a regular NASCAR race, which is quite remarkable. So um, there's definitely a need for this right now to keep people entertained. And, and um, even speaking to some drivers, it, it seems like they're certainly enjoying it. They're taking things extremely seriously and also having fun at the same time. And and I think that unlike other traditional stick and ball sports, I think sports car, I think motorsports in general translates really well to sim racing just because it is so easy to replicate what you have on the real track in the sim world. And, you know, no offense to games like Madden or NFL, you know, the, 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 console, the console games you, you see, you know, being played by a lot of fans for other forms of sports, that's it's not the same thing as what we see here in terms of a, a simulation. So um, I think this is really going to take off in the next couple of weeks. And, uh, and, and we're actually starting to cover more esports on sports car 365. We've had some really encouraging um, traffic from our first few articles. And, and uh, there's an esports race for the GT world challenge Europe uh, this coming weekend on the SRO's official SIM. So um, be on the lookout for some coverage there from Jake Kilshaw this weekend from the virtual Monza uh, track. So, um, yeah, it's uh, kind of exciting times in, in, a, in a little different way. Definitely different. Uh, we should also mention our friends, uh, Sean Heckman, Ryan Eversley. You probably know them from Dinner with Racers. They had their uh, 12-hour race at Sebring over the weekend. They were kind enough to invite me to participate, and that was fun as well, but maybe not quite as serious as the uh, the 90-minute IMSA race. And speaking of series, just one more thing to double back to on that. I've heard some interesting stories about what BMW did to support its drivers that were racing in that race. Uh, Do you have a little insight? Yeah, I spoke to Nicky Katzberg after the race, and he confirmed to me they actually had real sim racers on on the headset, basically acting as spotters um, during the race, giving them insight, helping them with setups, helping them with MoTeC overlays with data, it seemed like a full-on operation. Um, I know BMW has taken a very serious approach to sim racing. They have their own team. Um, They've been putting a bigger effort around this. I know they had a huge event in Munich at the end of the year to sort of um, launch their their sim racing efforts. So um, 
maybe that's why they were so competitive at, at this inaugural Super Sebring, Super Saturday uh, iRacing Sebring event. Um, but yeah, it's, it's quite impressive to see the level of commitment um, one manufacturer has. And I think it sort of ups the ante for mm-hmm. the others to sort of jump in and do the same. We know Porsche is quite involved in esports, and, and they've just announced a $200,000 purse for their um, virtual Porsche Super Cup season, uh, which is quite impressive. Now, mind you, that won't be with professional drivers in the real world, but it'll be for sim racers. But um, I think this goes, this just goes to show you that there's money in sim racing, there's money in esports, and I think we're going to be seeing an explosion of interest and, and a lot of people... A lot of fans wanting to get involved in this, so um, stay tuned. Well, it's been fun. It's, like like we said, helped to, to fill the void and gives us some things to write about at sportscar365.com. And kind of along those lines, you might have noticed some of our new features, the uh, the racers in isolation features that we're going to try and do, John. It's an interesting idea that you and the rest of the staff uh, came up with just to give a bit of insight into some of the personalities within sports car racing, but also the um, uh, to get an idea of how they're adapting to these uncharted waters that, that we find ourselves in right now. Absolutely. And, and I think, you know, there's a lot of drivers sitting at home right now, not a whole lot to do. They're on their sims. They're maybe baking. They're maybe they're, <laughs> um, they're watching Netflix. And so we're just asking drivers what they're up to and, and what's their favorite Netflix series or or what's what's on their playlist right now, or, or what what are they most look, looking forward to doing when the restrictions are lifted? So, um, stay tuned to Sports Card 365. We hope to have maybe two or three of them per week on, on a rotating basis. Um, hopefully, have some other features like this too in the coming weeks because we we do realize that news will be slowing down a little bit. So far, it hasn't. Uh, I'll be honest with you. It's been kind of busier than normal, uh, keeping up with everything with all the cancellations and rescheduled races. But um, I'm sure in the next three or four weeks, as things will sort of continue to be status quo in the world, as we try to fight the the virus, I I think it will be, you know, we're going to have to look for some new content and innovative ways to keep people busy and entertained. And I I think um, our our new feature racers in isolation is is one of those um, one of those things. Well, that's uh, something to look forward to then in the weeks to come. Uh, Other stories up on the website right now if you're interested in more sports car racing content. We've got the official confirmation of the news that really everyone has known for quite a while. Mazda confirming its split with Yoast. Um, That uh, officially did come through as expected. An amazing story from Elton Julian and Dragon Speed. They had three different crews off doing different things when all of these cancellations and travel restrictions all hit. And it's a, quite a story about how they really had to work just to get their crews back home to their families. Uh, so a great story there. Plus, some curious news out of our motorsport electing to focus their programs now on 2021. Still open to a return in 2020, but the focus already looking ahead to the 2021 season. So uh, more sports car racing content can be found at sportscar365.com. That's it for us this week. If you have a question for us to address on a future show, you can leave it in the comments section of this podcast at sportscar365.com or use the hashtag AskDoubleStint on Twitter. We'd love a rating and a review on iTunes if you have the time to help uh, get the word out about the podcast and give us some feedback too. And with all that said, we'll talk to you next week with our next edition of Double Stint. Double Stint.